everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time to talk a little Utah football, Gordo. How about this? The Utes taking on Arizona coming up on Saturday. It's game week. Boy, does that feel good to say. The kickoff is going to be at 2 o'clock, Gordon, which feels even better to say. It's in the afternoon now. (laughs) <laughs> let's, get, let's get out of the zone phone joining us now former ute quarterback longtime utah analyst and our in our insider here on the zone radio network he's our friend frank dolce what's going on frank hey guys good afternoon great to catch up again uh this is a quick side note but how nice is it we're gonna have an afternoon game frank that's gonna be awesome two o'clock oh yeah i, I know I'm, I'm really looking forward to that and don't forget uh I'll be joining Hans Olsen, nephew of the, you know, the late, great Merlin Olsen, uh, for the pregame and postgame show for Utah football uh, on Saturday afternoon as well. And you won't have to be here until 3 in the morning. Wow. Oh, my my God. Wow. What, What was it? What what is it with those games? Golly! And do you know the amazing thing about that? People are people are still listening, and not just listening, but want to interact at all hours of the morning uh, regarding Utah football. It's it's nuts. It's crazy. So Frank, my question for you is: What quarterback are they? Those people who are watching going to see? <laughs> You know, I I've been trying to be so sneaky with with uh, some of the guys up at, in the program about who is doing what and where the reps are going and who they like and everybody is so tight lipped about everything and you can't you know with all of the restrictions you can't even come close to the practice facility or anything else so I don't know I. Part of me feels like the way Coach Whittingham is talking about it, like, you know, we track every throw, we're tracking completion percentage, and those are re- those things are really important to us. Um, it feels to me like they're they're settling in on more of a more of a passing based. Offense. I'm not saying based in the past because I still think Utah will will run the ball, but but I think you know more the ability to throw the ball downfield a little bit. And if they're doing that, then I I would have to think that it's Bentley. But but then I go back to my other argument of well, what are the resources that Utah has around? And I you know I I may be wrong, but I don't think Utah has. I mean, Britton Covey's terrific, and he's back. Full, sounds like he's full speed. And Grant Keithy's very, very good. Um, I don't know outside of those guys if they have, you know, kind of a USC stable of wide receivers available, which doesn't, to me, doesn't necessarily lend itself to, a, you know, throwing the ball downfield. So then I think, well, 
then you got to go with Rising, who's efficient throwing the ball, but brings a little more athleticism in the quarterback run game. So I don't know. It's I, I'm 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 up in the air about it. Although I think I, I think the way that Coach Whittingham is talking about it, I kind of lean toward Bentley at this point. Let me ask you this, Frank, as a, as a former player and a quarterback who's gone through a, a position battle before, the public narrative with the quarterback battles is always, oh, it's really close and uh, it's really competitive, but we're still the best of friends in the entire world and love each other dearly. Is that, <laughs> is that how it really works or is, you know, sometimes a little bit more complicated than that? Well, I think it. Uh, I mean, I think it's a little more complicated than that. If you're the guy who's winning the battle, then yeah, you're. It's easy to be the best of friends. Um, and if you're the guy losing the battle, then and you're super competitive, which tends to be the case if you're if you're if you're trying to compete for a Division One quarterback spot or or anywhere in collegiate football, then you know if you're not if you're not going to be the number one guy, then that becomes a little more challenging and maybe even just motivating. Uh, I always had really good relationships with the other quarterbacks on the team. Uh, but I, I, you know, there are cases like uh, I think you could say uh, Aaron Rodgers might be a difficult teammate at the quarterback position especially if he's feeling threatened. Um, I think, you know, Tom Brady may have demonstrated that a little bit. Uh, Joe Montana and Steve Young, that was a, that was, I don't know if those guys were best of friends, um, even, even to this day. Um, I, but I could also see, uh, you know, other guys that would be, that would, that, that you would think of as, you know, being very helpful in, in terms of helping to develop another quarterback. Like I said, though, it's the number one guy. I mean, they still all the competitive, but he's probably more willing to be best of friends with everybody than the than the guy that's trying to battle for the job. How do you think the offense will work as a whole? Are you a big uh, a proponent of? The receiving core, and uh, it seems like a lot of people are confident in this uh, running back by committee. Yeah, I, I am. I like the running back position group. It's, it's outside of maybe the offensive line. It's my favorite group on the team, uh, and so I think that running back by committee works out well. And Utah's demonstrated success with that in the past. I think running back by committee will could possibly change after a couple games in, you know, based on productivity. And I think that's what we've also seen out of the Utah football program under coach Whittingham is, is that kind of philosophy. So I like the running back position group. I think Utah's offense will still be and should be based in the, in the run and, and then working the passing game off of that because I think there's really good talent in the offensive backfield. Frank, why don't I ask you about Arizona? And I'll admit, a couple of years ago, I looked at the Kevin Sumlin hire and I thought, oh, okay, that could work out. I see where their mind's at. You know, he did what he did at Texas A&M with Johnny Football, and, and they had Khalil Tate at the time. And I looked at uh, Arizona State hiring Herm Edwards, and I thought, well, oh, that's, that's just going to go terribly. 
And uh, I was wrong about both. I mean, I think Herb's uh, Herm, uh, Herm, excuse me, has proven to be pretty good at Arizona State, and Kevin Sumlin has been uh, subpar at best at Arizona. Why do you think that hasn't gone so well? You know, as as you and I, we contradict on just about everything. We do. But here is a situation where we're completely aligned. I thought with all of my heart that Kevin Sumlin, under Kevin Sumlin, the Wildcats were going to improve. Like, that was their next step. That he was, he just happened to be the right guy at the right time in the right situation and all the stars aligned. <laughs> checked off all the boxes. I was just, I just thought, well, here comes Arizona and the same for Arizona state. Like what is going on? Herm Edwards does not know his mascot. He's talking about being the CEO. Uh, he, I, I don't know, you know, it's all of this motivational talk all the time. And I don't know how that, I think he's going to have maybe, a half a year run before they just have to get rid of them. And it's, it's gone uh, completely, completely opposite. And I still think that, I still think that Sumlin is competent. I, I just don't know what, I just don't know what's happened there. Um, but I, I do feel like, you know, Arizona and, and Colorado kind of still sit at the bottom of the South. Um, even though they they had some talent, they had some wins and surprised some people a little bit. I just don't think Arizona is on the right path. Um, and and uh, and and on the other side of that, uh, I think Herm Edwards. I, you know, I I, I think he's he's going to be super competitive. I don't know if he's ever going to be able to get all of the talent that he needs to be you know, to dominate a conference. But I think he'll win the conference every few years. I think he'll be competitive every year. And I really like what he's done at Arizona State. So, in fact, I have them as kind of my top, you know, they're definitely in my top three in the South with Utah and USC and Arizona State. And then, you know, everybody else kind of sits around the bottom, Arizona included. Frank, uh, over the weekend I wrote a column that said that suggested that Utah's football program is to the point now where they can send as many players as they have to the NFL over the past couple of years, especially last year when they lose nine guys on the defensive side, and then they lose their quarterback and their running back, who are just terrific, and not have them really fall as far as predictions go. Now, most people are picking USC to win the South, but I guess my question to you is, do you agree with me that Utah is to the point now where they have enough athletes where they might bump and skid a little bit here and there, they might have to learn some lessons along the way, but athletically they're in great shape? In the past, I would say a loss like Utah faced in the offseason, all of that talent would be devastating. Especially in the especially in the in the Pac-12 or you know in the Power Five conference, um, they, Utah still doesn't have the ability to reload like USC um, or or maybe in you know in Oregon or maybe a Washington not not on that level I don't think but but I I, I do agree with you that uh, a, a Utah team that loses all of that talent. And it's so funny to when you walk through that list, you start naming all those guys, you just start thinking, wow, 
that's a lot of productivity. Even with all of that productivity gone, um, I still feel like Utah will find itself in the hunt. And, and that is a, a real credit to what Coach Whittingham has done with that program and the ability to um, create a talent pool that doesn't drop off as much from one to two to three as it did in the past. That was the big thing for Utah going into the Pac-12 is that on a one-to-one basis, top guys to top guys, Utah could be pretty competitive week to week. But then when you start getting into this depth issue, and I think that's where Utah really struggled. He's corrected that. And then, like you said, Gordon, uh, has built it to a point where you just kind of reload year after year. And I think that's where Utah is as a program. I'm not saying they're going to dominate anybody or win the South, but I think they'll be competitive for sure. Who do you think Utah's best player is? Huh. We can kind of go back and forth. I mean, you know, Devin Lloyd, Mika Tafua, Brant Keithy. Who else comes to your mind? Uh, well, I, I lean toward <laughs> I lean toward the defensive side because uh, Coach Whittingham, without any apology, steals all the talent <laughs> from the offensive side <laughs> and puts on the defensive side. <laughs> So, so I I really I mean it's hard to compete with those those guys. I think Devin Lloyd's fantastic. Same with Safua. I was going to say Keithy um, is my is my most talented guy on the team. I think he is um, even even as talented as he is, probably underutilized um, so far. I think that that's a guy that you know could be a Gronkowski type of have a Gronkowski type of an effect on a football game. He's a matchup nightmare. He does, you know, all phases. He did well a year ago and I think he'll improve. Um, And so I I think overall, which is very odd to say for a Utah football team is to give the tight end position that title of, you know, best athlete on the team. All right. Well, let me let me uh, let me break it up a little bit for you. If if we were to ask you who the best player is on the defense and the best player on the offense, how would you uh, divide that up? Yeah, I'd say Keithy is is offense. It's hard to get around the the def- or the uh, offensive backfield. The running back situation is very good at Utah, but I just don't you know with two guys in the rotation there, I just don't think that you can you know you can make that claim or one of those guys can make the claim yet. So Keithy on the on the offensive side, uh, I I really like Devin Lloyd, but I think Tafua uh, is more of a problem uh, for opponents on on the defensive side. I think he's more disruptive where it counts um, at the line of scrimmage and around the line of scrimmage. So I'd probably have to say um, Tafua on the defensive side. Frank Dolce with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. What's going to be the biggest storyline going into this game other than who starts at quarterback, do you think? For Utah? For Utah, specifically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's going to be the biggest – that that is going to be the biggest storyline. I mean, uh, may, maybe that alongside um, does Utah, you know, 
does Utah defensively match up with all with with the loss of all of that talent? And even though we think, you know, I think they're kind of reloading, and there's plenty of talent available, it's hard to replace that productivity. So, quarterback situation is the number one storyline going into this, which I think is fascinating because I think Coach Ludwig can can win with either of those guys. Well, the two guys I think who are who are in the race. Um, but but you know with with Corona, then then you have to say you know you have to keep three guys in the race because you, you know at any point the number three guy is the number two guy, um, and not because of injury or or poor play necessarily, because you know maybe some kind someone somehow tests positive. Um, so there's there's that storyline going in, and then uh, you know what what is the personality of the, of the Utah defense. And I think that's, that that's a good way to describe it because, you know, over the years you could say about different Utah defenses, they, you know, they have a certain personality. If it's attacking or it's kind of the bend, don't break philosophy or super athletic, like we saw a year ago. So I, I think that's how I would characterize the defensive storyline. How would you characterize the effect Andy Ludwig has had in his return to Utah? It's uh, it's not unlike Urban Meyer uh, taking all of Coach McBride's talent and losing just one game over his short two-year stint at at Utah. I think it's very similar to that taking uh, taking especially what he did with Tyler Huntley, who during his previous three years showed signs but never never I was never confident that he was ever going to be a guy like you know a guy that could could lead a team to significant victories um and then and then coach Ludwig shows up on the on the scene and and you're thinking oh man Tyler Huntley just can't get hurt because he's so produ- he has to be able to stay in the game because he's so productive. You know, in the past you thought, well, if Tyler Huntley goes down, then we have you know this guy or that guy, and we could probably fill in because our running game's really good. But but Tyler Huntley became invaluable when Andy Ludwig arrived. So I think that's the kind of effect he's had on the program. What'd you uh, dress up as for Halloween, Frank? <laughs> Uh, I dressed up, I dressed up as you and I went around yelling at anybody who was dressed up as a soccer player, <laughs> which Brilliant. was everybody in your family, right? Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. So I just scolded everybody in my whole crew. I made you very popular soccer. in the neighborhood. I bet. <laughs> yeah. Hey Frank, I want you to know, Jake, I want you to know that we followed your exam, your advice and we put a bowl of candy down uh, where the trick-or-treaters could come get it. Good, good. Yeah, we yeah. just turned out the lights. and <laughs> You didn't even do that, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we well, didn't bother. Well, you know, look, I, I, uh, I will happily admit that we kept our lights on. And anybody who wanted to come up to the house and, um, and grab a, a couple pieces of candy, we played it safe and six feet and masked and everything else. But uh, we we were open door for our neighborhood, and we had uh, a nice little showing of 
of trick-or-treaters. Not what we've had in the past, but um, still decent decent showing. What would you give out? Only the best stuff. Like peanut M&Ms. Okay, so there's a bunch of stuff that I would give out that I would consider the best stuff. Peanut M&Ms, plain M&Ms, Snickers, Milky Way, Kit Kat, Twix, Crunch. I'll even put uh, Baby Ruth in that in that category <laughs> as kind of the tops. Wow, we, well the, the thought out that, variety. I'm impressed. Yeah, the things that we don't give out, like, I, and, and I don't know why people take them. I mean, we have them available. I don't like. I'm not a three musket. I think a three musketeers is kind of a. It's kind of a cheap, like it's a kind of a throwaway deal. So I don't like three musketeers. I don't like. I don't like the whoppers. Um, I don't like the Twizzlers. I don't like anything that's like, um, the sweet tart kind of candy or sour or like sour patch kids or anything like that. Oh, and I forgot Reese's peanut butter cups, of course, Reese's peanut butter cups. So those are the, I think those are kind of the go-to Halloween candies for sure. In your uh, younger and, uh, you know, more single, immature days, did you guys ever get uh, caught, you know, like like I, I live in an older neighborhood where we don't get a ton of trick-or-treaters, especially a few years ago. The neighborhood's getting a little younger now, but, like, back when I had roommates and stuff, we'd get a trick-or-treater when we weren't expecting it and have to, like, get creative, you know? Like, here's some uh, the, uh, uh, a jar of ketchup, and you, you get some mayonnaise, and uh, here's some baking soda for you. Now, now move along. Do you? No. <laughs> No, I, I, you know, Halloween is kind of a sacred, a sacred thing. So and when we, when, by the way, when we purchase candy to, to give out, then it, it has to be, first of all, we purchase way too much by design and then it has to be candy that we're going to, we're going to enjoy. So first I would never, I, I never do the trick part of the trick or treat. And I make sure that the treat choices we make sure, I shouldn't say I make sure, we make sure that the treat choices are, you know, when people go home and look through their stuff, they're like, oh, you remember that house? They only had really good choices of candy. Well, I'm proud of Gordon for leaving out a, a bowl because he was just going to turn the hose on him. And uh, oh, yeah, I'm glad right. his, his better judgment <laughs> got along. Turn the hose on. <laughs> I would <laughs> never... I would never believe that of Gordon. Maybe, maybe like a fire extinguisher just for fun. You know, but. <laughs> a seltzer bottle? <laughs> never, never the hose. Never the hose. Never rubber the chicken. Hose. Yeah. Never yeah. yeah. Uh, well, Frank, thank you as always for jumping on with us, buddy. We hope you have a, had a happy Halloween. I hope you guys did as well. Thanks for calling. I always enjoy catching up with you guys. And hey, man, it's this week. Go Utes. It's here. Thanks, Frank. Oh. That's our buddy Frank Dolce, our Ute insider, longtime Ute analyst, and of course a former Ute quarterback himself. Yep, Frank's always right on the money. That's why he disagrees with you so much. <laughs> yeah, is that it? <laughs> his, his answer was pretty funny. He dressed up like me and just yelled at people wearing soccer uniforms. <laughs> that's, that's good stuff. <laughs> Frank is funny. He is funny in his own strange way. Mm-hmm. Strange way. Did you did you dress up, Gordon? No, I didn't. Why not? Nope. I don't know. Just wasn't feeling it this year. 
What was it? What was when was the last time you dressed up, and what did you dress up as? Oh man, I can't remember the last time I dressed up. It was quite a long time ago. I'm getting too old for that nonsense. You could have you could have gone the layup Tiger King this year. Oh stop! No, I just didn't feel it. <laughs> just didn't feel it. Nope. You can't say if you haven't dressed up for years. You can't say I just didn't feel it because that would imply like at other times you did feel it. Well, I haven't felt it for quite some time. <laughs> All right, stay tuned. I have no pro- I have no problem with people who want to do that. I mean, I, I think it's kind of fun, actually. No, no problem at all. Stay tuned. Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Welcome on back. Uh, Gordon, we have some uh, kind of breaking Pac-12 news. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a, it's a good thing they're playing uh, football. There's a lot of good financial reasons, but uh, here's a reminder that we're still that these universities are still dealing with uh, with a lot. Um, I'm rep- uh, I'm reading Brett McMurphy's tweet, but uh, there's several, including John Wilner, who tweeted out about it. Arizona's athletic department eliminating 21 full-time positions in addition to 15 frozen positions that won't be filled because of COVID financial crisis. Arizona projecting at least a 45 million dollar revenue loss this year. Yeah, it's tough. It is tough. And uh, when people lose money, they lose jobs, and it's it's difficult all the way around. There's no other way to say it. And we know uh, certainly Utah has, has gone through some furloughs, even amongst its uh, its coaching staff. Uh, but, you know, these these 21 full-time positions they're talking about, Gordon, these are not people making $10 million a year by any means. I mean, these are, no. these are everyday employees doing various different things, I'm sure. But... I mean, these are real lives that are being impacted by this thing. This stinks. That's why this COVID thing has to be brought under control. It has, it cannot be ignored. It has to be brought under control so we can get back to business and people can make the kinds of money that they typically expect to make. And by people, I mean institutions, I mean households, everybody. And uh, it's... Uh, I don't need to get all political on uh, at this particular time, but man, I just tell you this: this has not been handled properly, in my opinion. Sorry, I just have to say it, and it has to be handled at some juncture. It has to be handled properly, so that we can get this thing back where it needs to be. You gotta, you gotta bite the bullet to get it under control, so you can get back to business, so people can get back to work. Or get back to the games or get back to spending money at the concession stands or whatever it is, you know. It just doesn't work to ignore it. No, I, but I just I, I feel bad for what's going on in Arizona. And in, in the, in, I mean, let's, college football world, of course, is what we're talking about right now. But live event world, I mean, you know, it's, it's there are a lot of people that are employed in the live event world in this country. And yep. it's it's really they're going through a lot of hard times and yeah. sports is just oh, a no. drop in the bucket on that. But, you know, I, I wonder, uh, you know, I just feel for those employees, first of all, down there at, at Arizona. But, you, you know, you hope that other universities are 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 handling it correctly. But I, I do think it also underscores uh, how important it is that we got some sort of season in this fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I suppose as long as it can be done safely. But I, you know, we, 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 you and I have talked about this a lot. About okay, do, do you disrupt the economy further to get it handled, or do you just press forward with the economy and not get it handled? And I think not getting it handled in the long run backfires because then it's then everything else is delayed along the way, and in the mean, meantime, people are suffering too. And I'm just talking about economics now. I'm not talking about uh, real lives, but, uh, you know, and that's a whole other thing. But uh, I hope that it, it can be addressed in a way that it can be put down as quickly as possible so that then people can get back to their jobs and people will get back to spending money, going to games, having the opportunity to go to games because – the uh, the COVID will be uh, more under control. It it just seems like ignoring it or pretending it doesn't exist or or uh, you know uh, thinking that uh, it's not that big a deal or it's a hoax. It's not a hoax. It's very real and it's affecting real lives. I if we had if we had handled this the way it should have been handled, I think it could have been the, the whole thing could have been shortened up so that we'd be back to business. That's me talking. I'm not Dr. Fauci, but uh, you got to face it sooner or later. And the sooner you face it, then the quicker you can put it in a position where you can move on. And that hasn't been done. Uh, no, I, I don't know who has out there really handled it well, to be honest. I don't know. I keep reading statistics say other countries have handled it better than ours. Well, everybody I, was saying I, I, Europe uh, <laughs> before, but that's obviously not true now uh, as they've mm-hmm spiked huge so I, I i don't know i don't know who has the answers or whatever but i know people on all sides of things are are suffering and in this particular uh, uh um story i feel bad for the folks at arizona that had a job yesterday and don't today well and i feel bad for people all across the country you can say the same thing about that's what i said all sides of things mm-hmm. yeah and then i pointed at this particular story because that's how it came up so arizona dealing with uh, the financial shortfall i thought the biggest part of the story was the $45 million they're still uh, expecting to come up short. Do you remember what Mark Harlan estimated uh, Utah's losses are or were to be? Was it if they didn't play at all? Do you remember what it was? Was no, it 60? I, I, Thank I you, Eric. Uh, was uh, it? Uh, yeah, so uh, I don't know what that figure would have been for Arizona, but they're still, according to Brett McMurphy, going to come up $45 million short, which just seems mm. nuts. The gate yeah. is still very important in college football. Yeah. Still very important. And actually, that might be, I mean, not to, to, to go off on a totally different uh, wing of a conversation, but that might actually be to Utah's advantage for once because they fill their stadium uh, each and every game for the most part. And a lot, a lot of Arizona included, a lot of parts of the Pac-12 certainly do not. Mm-hmm. So that, that might yes. be something interesting to take a look at because Utah still uh, does really well at the gate. Mm. Well, I suppose it is more important at the college level than it is at the pro level. But even at the the college level is flooded with TV money, right? That's how these conferences are pocketing so much. Well, the pros too, um, for that matter. But, yeah, I yeah, see what you're saying. But it seems like it's even more important at the college level because they depend on that gate. So all sports do, like you said at the very beginning. Well, we found out that the NBA has still gets 40% of its revenue from the gate. Which yeah. was a bigger number than I thought, to be honest. Yeah, I agree with that. It, it surprised me, but it's pretty important. When you're talking about nearly fifty percent of what you of your profits, not to mention, I understand that 
if we want to talk about it in economic terms. But I think about those fans who haven't had a chance to see their teams play. And I know that's minor compared to lives and livelihoods. But, man, this sucks, man. People want to be able to be entertained. They want to uh, – the, the, uh, people have carried a, a heavy burden, uh, uh, people of all different walks of life, with this whole thing. And that's why I think it's so imperative to get it to get it handled. Uh, and then and then we can move on and uh, and do better. And I don't know who's doing it perfectly or if anybody has done it perfectly, but I do know that we've fallen well short of the mark. We'll have more of the big show coming up next. It's the Not Sports Port straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And now your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It is uh, time for your Chevy Strong play of the game. Be caller 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE. And correctly identify the Chevy Strong play of the game announced by DJ and PK this morning at 8.50, and you will win a Zone prize pack. It's the Chevy Strong play of the game only here on the Zone Sports Network. Uh, Gordon, it's time for the Not Sports Report brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Check them out online lhmusedcars.com where are we going today okay we're going to connecticut first for the bad news and then we're going to texas for the good news all right because the first story is so outrageously insensitive that i had to follow up with a good news story and that's saying something for me you know that okay right yep all right so a man in Bridgeport, Connecticut, announced on social media that he was giving a kidney to his fiancée because she was in need. And he thought giving the gift of life was a really good thing to do. And since he was a good match, he announced on social media that he was going to do that. Okay, so... As he did so, and he announced when and where he was going to do it. And so as he, as the couple were at the hospital undergoing the surgeries, um, some perps uh, burglarized their home while they were gone because they knew they were going to be gone. They robbed their house. They robbed their apartment. <laughs> they broke in with a screwdriver while the pair were having their surgeries. And uh, I just, I, I, I just, uh, I got a hard, hard time with that one, Jake. I just, come on. These people are suffering, and uh, somebody took advantage of it by breaking into their apartment. However, there was some blood left behind at the scene when uh, one of the intruders apparently cut, cut himself or herself, whoever it was. So they're going so to now CSI is on it. Huh? But they stole thousands and thousands of dollars worth of property from the couple. So ridiculous that it is extraordinary. Doesn't okay, it make so me, don't you just have to laugh at something like that? Like how horrible people can be. You got think about it. Somebody was sitting around their room with their co-conspirators and was like, "Did you hear Bob and?" Is going to be donating a kidney to Jenny, and they're going to be gone for uh, for a couple of On days. On Tuesday at 5 p.m.? <laughs> Let's know. go. Let's go rob them. 
That is so terrible. That is so terrible. Oh man. Okay. So now the good. Right. Now the good. Now now the 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 good news. Apparently, there is a, an animal farm in Texas that uh, has. It's a place where injured animals and abandoned animals are are taken to treat them. You've seen pictures of the uh, of the dog with a missing leg, and they put a wheel on him so that he can uh, run mm-hmm. around. You've seen that. Yeah. Well, apparently, this animal farm, it's called Safe in Austin, they are now matching those animals up with uh, with children who uh, are dis, dis- I don't know the correct term for it that are disabled somehow. Is that is that the correct term? I don't know that are have disabilities somehow. And the person who came up with this idea, this is what she said. Her name is Jamie. She said, we have always loved animals, but when Angel, their pet dog, joined our family, it became insanely clear how the love of an animal can be literally miraculous. Angel gave my son, her son uh, has autism, Confidence and strength beyond anything I was capable of doing as his mother. She provided protection from his fears, understanding of his thoughts, and power over his disabilities. So now they've found out that the animals thrive with these kids as well. And so they're matching them up at this farm. And uh, it seems uh, it seems that it's a really good match. Uh, one of the people at the farm down there said we have animals that are blind or deaf uh have cerebral palsy deformities missing limbs broken spines they all become part of the family that's nice i like that that made me feel better after i read the initial news story so all right can i can i add a story today yeah please do i I was going to add this if if you did not uh did not select it have you ever heard of vladimir maragov uh, that name does sound familiar. I'm not sure. Where? Does it really? Well, he, you guys probably run in the same social circles. Uh, let's see. He is uh, he is known as the Sausage King of Russia. Oh, yeah. I saw he's this a, story. He's a That's Russian. why it's familiar. I read it this morning. He's a Russian oligarch. And yeah. uh, he was hanging out at uh, one of his homes about 25 mm. miles outside of uh, Moscow. He was in mm. an outdoor sauna cabin hanging out uh-huh. with uh, what was described as his partner. And it was a woman. Mm. They were just uh, uh, getting a good sweat in, I guess, out there in the sauna. (laughs) When uh, two masked men showed up, Gordon, um, brandishing a crossbow. Robin Hood, uh, huh? They they demanded cash from Mr. Maragov. His companion, the woman, actually managed to escape through the window and call police. Uh, but when police showed up, they found uh, Maragov uh, deceased and the crossbow on the ground, Gordon. They fled in a car, and ha- they have uh, arrested somebody. They won't name the suspect. But, uh, is, didn't, they, uh, uh, get, didn't they make a getaway in, like, a Ferrari or a Lamborghini or something? Uh, I'm not sure what the what the mm. car is. They just said uh, fleeing in a car. But, but yeah. I guess, uh, and this is a joke I'm stealing from somebody else, but uh, uh, the Russian sausage king in the sauna with a crossbow doesn't that sound like the most Russian game of Clue you've ever heard? Oh, man. Crossbow. I'm telling you, Jake, a crossbow? That is brutal. Not that there's any good way to go. But... I remember my favorite Russia-based story from a couple of years ago. 
And I can't. I wish I could remember the numbers off the top of my head, but the 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 story was that uh, in Russia, Louisville Slugger baseball bats were selling like hotcakes. It was like in the thousands. It was like they've they've sold like fifty thousand bats in Russia or something along those lines. The reason being, uh, well, then they they juxtaposed that with the amount of baseballs that uh, were sold in Russia, <laughs> and it was like ten. Jeez. <laughs> oh, oh man. Wow. So you think those uh you think those they weren't playing ball. Wow, we are moving bats left and right in Russia. Wow, we really hit a market here. This is amazing. We're making it a hand over uh, hand over fist. Let's call our friends over there at Rawlings, see if they're selling any baseballs. <laughs> hey guys, you guys killing it in this market too? They must be playing a lot of baseball over there in Russia. Uh yeah, we've we've sold about ten. About ten. <laughs> I don't know man, if the game's oh, really taken off over there, like we think. <laughs> Something's taken off. Oh, the sausage king in the sauna with a crossbow. You like Clue? Yeah. You like that game? It's been a long time since I've played Clue, but give me a rundown real quick. You got your, what do you got? You got your candlestick maker or what else you got in there? Uh, whatever, the candlestick, the rope, the revolver. The da- the knife, right? Uh, what am I? F- I forget. That might be it. Uh, then you know. Then you, you, then you got the butler and the. Well, not the, the chef. butler. I mean, you've got uh, uh, what is it? Colonel Mustard, Professor Plum, <laughs> Miss Scarlet, Miss Peacock. Who am I then missing? You got, then you got your kitchen, your living room, your dining room. You got various the ballroom. I mean, it's it's basically oh, like a layout of your house. Oh, please. <laughs> Oh, That's man. a good movie too. That's a good movie too. When was the last time you played uh, played a little clue? It's been fair. I want to say fairly recently, like a couple of years really? ago, like a family wow. get together kind of thing. Are you you're, are you a board game guy? Love board games. Always really, have. my my son in law is huge. He has a collection of games that would blow your arm off, Jake. Oh, would it really? <laughs> Whatever that guy said. <laughs> Yeah, my 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 uh, wife before we uh, were married and were uh, even before we were dating, she used to just make great fun of me of how much my friends and I liked board games. And but it really is. Them. It's a good way to socialize, man. You sit around, you talk. It's uh, it's also a good some... way to ruin relationships, depending on what you're playing. <laughs> what game? What game do you think is the most uh, damaging? You think Monopoly? No, no. Uh, let's see with my particular friends. Uh, I've noticed like we play a lot of settlers of Catan, but I would put, uh-huh. I would put risk ahead of that. I've had some, uh, risk. some really contentious risk, uh, risk battles. Cause the when you, uh, risk, when you the break the, with, the treaties, people get grumpy. But the problem with risk is it can go on for a couple of days. Oh, that's what I love about risk. You have to be invested in it to play risk. That's what I like. Mm. Yeah, and it's all I love, strategy I love and that. stuff. But when you I turn around, and... when I was a kid, I, I, we played that all the time. I also like the game Life. Did you like that one? I like Life, but Life, is, Life, there's not the like betrayal factor in Life, so it doesn't really <laughs> ruin relationships like some of those other games where it's like it, there's a there's a real betrayal factor in there. Hmm. All right, I like. Uh, have you ever played the game Smart A? I wouldn't say it. I don't know if I can say that word on the air. But no, I have not. Smart A, finish the word. Uh, it's fun. It's kind of a trivia knowledge game, and uh, I like those. All right. Okay, there you go. Yeah, boy, I'm pro makes board me, game. Makes me, makes me feel superior, you know. 
All right, it's not true. It's useless. Coming up right around the corner, uh, we'll dive into Gordon's column. He's got one up, sltrib.com, talking about the Utes. Uh, I'll tell him why, why he's wrong and maybe even why he's right. Mostly wrong, though. Well, I'm really glad that you'll straighten me out. Thanks, Jake. <laughs> I can't wait for the next segment. We'll get this to it. This will be good. Coming up next, 97.5 and 1280.